Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Uh, if you missed it last episode, Kelsey and I did this impromptu recording we do every once in a while when we have a guest uh, that needs to reschedule. And we talked all about a holistic approach to staying well, so preventative wellness. Uh, Kelsey happened to be sick at the time, and we just thought it was so timely to talk about how addressing things like your mental health can impact your ability to you know, have a stronger immune system. So make sure you go back and listen to that. Uh, this week, I'm super excited. We're welcoming another one of our fabulous TikTok friends. <laughs> Christina is coming to join us and talk about teens and mental health. Thank you for being here, Christina. And thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right. So, Christina, tell us all about you you know, why, what you do, your background, anything you want to share with the work you as you do, and then why is this topic about teens and mental health so important to you? So I am a licensed professional counselor. So like, as you know, like every state has their own title for like licensed therapist. Um, and I work in private practice now and I'm in the state of New Jersey, you know, the state that nobody ever really wants to go to, but <laughs> you don't want to be here either, but like we're stuck. So it's the same um, in Ohio. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So um, I'm in the state of New Jersey. I work in private practice. I've been in my private practice for four years, over a little over four years. Um, I started late in the field because I did the whole like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up in my 20s type of thing. Um, and I prayed that grad school, going to grad school for something like counseling might might pan out because nothing else did. So, um, I did it and it, it was like, it, like the puzzle pieces connected like immediately. Um, and I worked in substance abuse. So I worked in rehab for, I'd say about eight years before I went to private practice. So I worked in two different rehabs, um, for long periods of time. And then I, I had a little blip in the middle where I worked in like an, an intensive outpatient program, um, like post-crisis step down type of thing. Um, but I really did, I missed working in that residential chaos setting. That's the ADHD in me. Um, but I really liked that. And then I did long-term residential um, in a men's program at the place that I worked at. So I started that with the supervisor. So, um, and then it was the time to go to private practice. You know, it was like that you have to make that step at some point. I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to necessarily just specialize in addiction. I wanted to really branch out because it's never about the drugs and the alcohol. It's all the other stuff. And I really wanted to like branch out and like, you know, expand my skills and stuff like that. So that's it. That's how I ended up where I'm at right now. I love that you said, I mean, I love everything you said, but like, I don't know. It's so interesting to me that we still differentiate substance use treatment and mental health treatment. I'm like, it's all just a symptom. Like just, okay. Anyways. Oh, if I, yes, because they, yes, because (laughs) just um, tangent real quick, because when you're at that level of care, everyone's like, oh, it's just triage and you're, you know, just stabilized. No, it's not because- (laughs) There's so much underneath it. And I was always the kind of therapist that would sit there with them and dig. Like I would open up, but I wouldn't necessarily, I could close it very gently. Um, But a lot of, a lot of the clinicians in that environment were like afraid of that. Like it's, they need that. Like let them, they're, but anyway, the safety and connection. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the the long story short, when I went into private practice, I really wanted to work with teenagers and adults. So I take people from 14 
give or take sometimes 13, depending on the situation to however old. So I don't discriminate that. Um, but I love working with teenagers. I was like really excited to talk about this topic. Like they have like my heart and I love like, everyone's always like, how do you do that? I'm like, I worked in rehab with 18 to 25 year old, like young people. Like that was like the community I worked in. I was like, it's so raw and real. Like mm -hmm. it's so great, but you know, it's not for everybody, but I, and this is not like a negative toward that population at all, but when you have significant trauma and stress and, you know, unhelpful coping, uh, that early on in life, while your brain is also still developing until you're like, you know, 25 years old, th some of those age ranges have teenage like behaviors and personalities. Right. So I'm sure it's very transferable skills. I, I often say it was like, I was working with, you know, 13 to 18 year olds because yeah when you think about it, that if they started using the age of onset at like 14, you almost become stunted at that age. Mm -hmm. So they're very much, and, and you're dealing with all the, it's, it's like, imagine de dealing with the, just the trauma being a teenager alone yeah. and then adding in that extra layer. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking because there's so much in there that hasn't been touched. Yeah. This is what comes to mind for me. I don't know where I heard it, but it really stuck with me the past um, few years is like, don't ever tell a kid now or a teen or whatever, a minor, oh, you know, like, I know what it was like to be your age because, <laughs> I mean, the world we live in now compared to when you grew up, when I know we have like a little bit of an age gap, but, uh, like, you know, just a I, little I, bit. I take that as a major compliment. Yes. Yeah, yeah a, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> Maybe about, you know, a decade, but you know, it's fine. Just a little bit. Um, we still have similar mindsets and approaches, I think. Cause like I'm technically a millennial, but I was raised more in that. Um, why can't I think right now? Uh, Gen X? Is that, no, not. What is the one? What are you? I'm like on the cusp of Gen X millennial yeah yeah so I was raised with like that gen x or like above like work yeah. mentality and and maturity and that kind of stuff so anyways tangent right uh how do we how, can you kind of speak to that like the teens that we're working with now and the issues that they're going through after we've just gone through you know and we're still kind of in this covid pandemic how does it look now and why might it not be the most helpful thing for you to say to your child or a child in your life oh I know what it was like to be when you, you know I was your age because it's not the same so and that's the thing and it's interesting too because I, I age myself I'm 42 so my clients my teen clients like I am more towards their parents age so like I understand why their parents are saying what they're saying because I know how I grew up but I also know why it's one it's different in these times in general and two it's like that's never helpful. Even it was not helpful for me either. <laughs> so, you know, I, when the nineties, when I was a teenager and I like, it was such a time, like the nineties was just like, I mean, now it's what vintage now people like, that's like the dress up, like let's dress up as a nineties party. It makes me want to cry. But yes, um, we didn't talk about mental health. We didn't talk about going to therapy. And I think, I, I think 
I think back to my own experiences as a teenager and it was horrific. And I went through the whole, the friends ditching you and then you don't have anyone to sit with at lunch. And like, that's some serious trauma that like really resonated with me all the way up through adulthood that I obviously worked out in my own therapy. Um, but that really stays with you in, mm -hmm. in, in this way. Cause you're so vulnerable at that age. Um, well, I didn't have the, so I did not have the internet until I was one of the few that had like the dial up modem when I was maybe a junior or a senior in, mm -hmm. in high school. So like I didn't have the internet. There was no social media. And even in my college years, like we had like AIM or like AOL, mm -hmm. but like we didn't have, there was no social media. And even the internet in and of itself had such limited access. Like it wasn't as accessible as it is now. These kids see everything and no matter how many parental controls you put how many monitoring you do I'm going to scare you because you have a child but oh I know <laughs> right there's always that one friend whose parents don't care and they see everything mm -hmm. because if I think about it we did it too right like mm -hmm. we just did it in different ways like we would buy like you know smut books and like we found the workaround you know yeah we figured it out but now it's like so accessible and not only is it accessible in in big adult topics for them it's accessible in like the world today mm -hmm. so they have access to seeing things that are going on all across the country and it's a lot of it's a lot of information for me as an adult mm -hmm. I can only imagine these young kids with their little worlds are so tiny and it's just so different and then you throw the pandemic in And I don't, it was a first for everybody. So to have that, to take them out of their social circles, put them in the angstiest time in their life when all that matters is your social circle. Mm -hmm. And then they're home, they're stuck home with their families. They're literally just FaceTiming with people. They're not in school like they normally are. They're not having that social interaction, the peer interaction. And then, you know, and I'm just speaking of like, client stories because the yeah. amount of things that I started seeing during 2020 and now like they're all like seniors in high school my, my babies are growing up but they're watching their friends on social media this one's talking to this one this one like didn't like my story this one is messaging this one and they're seeing things and they're mm -hmm. not did and then they're sitting there on social media and then they're scrolling and then the, then the body image issues because of what they see on TikTok and all those things and that's all they have too much access it's it's like information overload mm -hmm. and they don't have an outlet they didn't have social outlets for years even school wasn't normal until last year so it was it, if you take a 14 year old and you think about like your mindset 14 years old going to like 18 years the difference in where, what you think and how you see the world is so different and like they're these are formative years that they were spending in their rooms on social media so that's like a whole thing so it's not helpful to say when I was a teenager because I didn't have access like mm -mm. even in grad school we talked a lot about that's when cyberbullying became like a thing and my bullying stayed at school. Mm -hmm. These kids are going home 
And this one's talking about this one. They're starting pages. This one snapped this. This one screenshotted and is, has a group chat talking about. It is evil. It is evil. And it's terrifying for them. They're kids at the end of the day. Their worlds are this tiny. There's so much I want to say to that. And this is why I knew I'd love having you on because we can just go be on our soapboxes together and just go preach to the world with mm -hmm. our megaphones. But I'm thinking of so many things. So like, yes, we didn't have access to this. And then when we did, so I was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened. We were on a field trip and um, we just got there and they were like, all right, we got to go back. And there was all these like rumors, you know, like there's a bomb or like no, nobody knows what's happening. It's scary, right? Because it's unknown. And then we get back to school and they're showing it on TV. And then I get home and they're showing that on TV. That was very traumatic for many in our generation, right? Like that was scary. Just like you said, our world is so small. And that one event was terrifying and changed how we view like the world, the right? Just even talking about 9-11 gives me right, chills. right. And then you think they don't have the skills. They don't have the emotional regulation, coping skills to manage all this stuff. And it's 9-11 type stress on the body because I'm a nerd about the mind-body connection, what stress does to your body and your physical health. Yeah. And then we wonder why they're not sleeping at night and they're on their phones all the time and they're vaping and they're, right? Mm -hmm. Like, of course, they don't have anywhere else to put this major trauma they're getting all day, every day. And no one is filling their cup for them. And then yeah. we put them in, okay, here, I'm going off on a tangent. Then we put them in school. I like it's it. not a tangent. It's all connected, right? A, a whole holistic approach. Then we put them in the education system and we're like, hey, you've probably seen me talk about this on TikTok. Like, yeah. hello, let's talk to this frontal lobe and executive functioning for eight hours a day. And right. their, their trauma response, their adaptation response, their survival response is just firing. And this is right. like, bye-bye. It's not even there. I'm sorry for the people just listening to audio. I'm pointing to my frontal lobe. Like your frontal lobe is not plugged in for when your survival brain. While we were on audio. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> like your frontal lobe is unplugged when your survival is on. It doesn't, there's no memory storage. There's no focus. There's no concentration. There's no like, you know, all the things that schools are trying to teach. And then when they have behaviors, then they get behavioral interventions and the school to prison pipeline and all the things, right? Oh, uh, I have uh, have a whole thing in my drafts about schools with this because it's a, that could be a whole nother topic because I don't think that the school systems are doing enough. Um, I could speak to the bubble in New Jersey that I live in, but I don't see what I should be seeing as far as taking care of these kids. And we all, we both know that mental health care system's broken, like oh, it's yeah. inaccessible. But to even go back to in terms of my generation raising this generation of kids like mm -hmm. I think it's very daunting when like you could say like so when I was in high school you weren't alive yet but you either went two ways my generation you decided you needed therapy and you needed to take care of yourself or you went with the generation above you that said, you got this, you can figure it out, suck it up, deal with it. So the problem is, and I'm not saying the parents are bad, it's just, they've been literally conditioned. My generation was literally conditioned to have emotional unavailability. And I sucked it up and I couldn't talk about my feelings. And when their kids now are so open, because now they're seeing all these things on TikTok, I'm setting boundaries, mom, and the mom, this is my house. Like, okay. That it's clashing because they don't know any better. And I could definitely speak that of my generation. And I don't fault like my my parents. Well, I was raised well, but still there was this level of nobody went to therapy. Mm -hmm. 
And if you did, it was, you're going to the shrink. There's something wrong. You're crazy. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. And these kids don't have that mentality, but their parents are like trying to find a balance in what they were taught, what we were taught, as opposed to what's going on right now. And, Mm -hmm. and. I have to say that the parents of my, my kids or my kids, my clients, my, I call them my kids. They're, they're all very supportive in so many different ways. So it's really nice to see, they give them a lot of autonomy in their own, mm-hmm. therapy. but I know it's not always like that. I think I'm like kind of lucky, but it's just, I was going to say, is there something you do in the beginning as far as like how you talk about, you know, what therapy looks like and that relationship and what's told and not told that you think that helps. I'm sorry. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's a good point because I'll be honest. One of the reasons I don't really work with kids, I'm like 16 and up um, is because I can't get, you know, there are, I have a lot of really great parents at that point that are like, yes, absolutely. But it, unfortunately in younger ages specifically, I was, it always felt like it was like here, fix my kid. And they weren't open to what part they needed to play in that education and change process. I can't say that hasn't come up because <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yes, it, it absolutely has. And that's frustrating, right? Because it takes two to really work on um, building that relationship. And I explain, so Typically, if a teenager, typically with teenagers, the the parents will call me first. And I would, you know, and I would say, I would explain who I am, what I do. I'm very, very thorough because I always want to make sure that the parent knows that, like, this is my approach to things. If you don't like it, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I offer, you know, do you want to bring your teen on to a Zoom session? We'll do like a 10 minute, I can meet them. They could see if they like me. They can see if they're comfortable first. Um, If they feel more comfortable just coming in for a meet and greet, we'll do that too. You know, Mm -hmm. like whatever, however they're more comfortable. And I explain to the parents, I say, listen, they have to sign a release of information if I can talk to you. I said, but here's the thing. If I could talk to you, they're going to think I'm going to tell you everything and I'm not going to do that. And I'm, I'm, I need to have their trust. Now I always have a hard limit. I explain this to the kid too, as well as to the parent. If I feel obviously your safety is in jeopardy or I am concerned, I will have to say something, but I talk to my teens first. I say, I offer them to be in the session with mom, to be on the phone, to be there, so they can hear it. I don't want them to think I'm going behind their back in any mm-hmm. way. Their trust is so important to me. And I don't have any, because I'm so transparent about it. I don't have any issues with it. So I've done sessions with the parent and the team um, just to chat about things. Or I have, I know what not to talk about. I'll say, what don't you want me to say? This is what I want to say. What don't you want me to say? You know, don't talk about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go tell your mom that you went to a party and you drank. I'm not going to do that because teens do that, right? Now, if you're doing that like every night, that is maybe something we're going to talk to your mom about. Yeah, exactly. If it's, if it's a habitual pattern that I'm seeing, maybe you're self-medicating, that's a problem. But if it's like a, I'm a teenager and I go to a party on a Saturday night, cause that's what teens do. Okay. You know, just, you know, I, they don't, they'd rather not, they don't even think they want to talk to me about it. Cause I give them, I like, look at them and I'm like, okay, let's talk about responsibility. <laughs> let's talk about what you do. That driver's license. That's a privilege. Never do that. You know? So, and they're like, yeah, we know, we know. And they're so good. I can't. Just- Kids are so good at reading through BS too. Like they know when you're genuine and what we know, right. Is 
Like, just like you said, you have to build that connection, that authentic trust and relationship before you get anywhere therapeutically. So that, and I also love that what you said, you're giving them full informed consent to make an informed decision Mm -hmm. about what they want to do at the beginning. And that is something that definitely needs talked about more in our field, you know, Mm -hmm. in general, but obviously on this topic too. So thank you for bringing that up. And I think that there's many people in the world that don't realize, I don't know, I just think about how many times I've gone to a medical provider of any kind. Mm -hmm there was zero informed consent before they were like sticking a needle in my arm or doing, you know, they're like sign the paper, but no one talked to me about it before I went into surgery or (laughs) whatever the thing is. Right. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think that's so important for people to realize like you really should and have access, you you should have, and you have a right to access on and understand what you're getting yourself into when you get in a relationship with any kind of healthcare provider. Absolutely. And it's also important to let them know too, like, I am not here. And this is what a lot of parents, sometimes it could be a huge challenge. I'm not trying to turn your kid against you. Like I can't ever tell someone, don't talk to your parent. Like that's your choice. However, what I can provide for them is a space where they can learn assertive communication where calling your mom, you know, a a slur isn't going to, or cursing at them, isn't going to make them hear you Mm -hmm. like it's it's they're not going to hear your point your voice is important how can we present your voice so you feel like you're being heard right so I'll teach them more assertive communication talk about owning your feelings as opposed to blaming because they're they're going to get immediately defensive and that and I I talk about how that's just calm that works in confidence building like imagine imagine how much more confident you feel about yourself when like you're assertive like it's so exciting so yeah I I love like that empowerment approach like it goes and it takes it from like the them feeling like they have an external like it's an external locus of control to internal Mm -hmm. right because now they feel empowered like you said and then they're going to build confidence Mm -hmm. and helping the parents understand like I okay I can tap into what it was like to me to be a teenager for me to be a teenager because of what I do right but like their worlds are so small. Like when I tell you, when they're in my office crying about how they didn't have anywhere to sit for lunch because their friends weren't talking to them, that is a really big deal. Like, you know, and I know, all right, you're going to move on, go to college. You're not even going to talk to these people anymore. Like, who cares? But in that moment, you can't see beyond that. That's all you have. And I try to explain to them because I, you know, I'll make comments like, I don't like your friends. Like, they're not nice to you. But like, they don't have much of a choice because this they're forced to be with these people. They don't have the autonomy to be like, like, I'm not sitting next to you or I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to see you. I'm going to because they're there. And they don't have a reference point or like wisdom to or like uh perception what is the word like they they have no that's all they know it's like a um like a a breeding ground yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah but then when they get out of there it's like you see them blossom but it's like you just wish you could implant that wisdom into their brain but you can't so this is so important I just wanted to say like can you talk about like I'm thinking like Erickson I don't think a lot of parents or just people in the world educators people understand like normal developmental stages like research proven what happens in this adolescence can you kind of talk to that because people are like why are you so obsessed with your friends and what they're doing and why do you care about social media like can you kind of talk to the psychology behind that 
Um, I'm going to do my best because this clinical psychology terms and stuff like that is not my Yeah, not like from a research article, but like why, you know, what that stage of development is and why that's important to them. They're, they're in this stage where they're not, their hormones are raging. And maybe because I'm in a stage of my life where my hormones are now raging, (laughs) but like, maybe it's reminding me of that, but like their hormones are raging. Their, 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 their like scope of switches from their family to now their peers. They have all of this access to things that they see online. It's very, very different. And they they just want to fit in at the end of the day. And they don't have the ability to, to see past their little tiny world. And I don't mean tiny in like a minimizing way, but their world is small. It's the town they grew up in, in that school. They don't realize that when they go to college, they're going to meet people from all places. Then they're going to be with more like-minded people. And their brains are just focused on top of it. They're experiencing emotions they've never experienced before. You when you're eight years old, you're like oh, hormones, like you don't think about it. And now all of a sudden they're having these crazy hormonal things and it's, they don't have that, the skill set to be like, what, what is this? So they just act on it. Like they don't yeah. have that skill yet. And that's when like, you'll get like the angstiness or the, oh, my teenager sits in a room and they slams the door. Yes. Because they don't want to deal with you because they don't know what there's going on within themselves. They're like, they're like, what is this? I just want to be alone. They're trying to navigate it. You know, Who am so- I? What's my identity? And how does exactly. it? I explain to parents and, and kids too. Like when I normalize it for them, like this is a very normal stage because you're looking at your family and where you came from. And you're like, huh, do I like that? Does that fit? And then you're looking at your peers. Yep. And you're like, huh, do I like that? Does that fit? I don't really know. And then when there's conflict between the two, you're like, wait a minute hold on, let me try out some of these things to see if I really want to do that. Right. So yeah, it's like a constant um, hypothesis and like testing of like what makes sense for them. Um, oh my gosh, we could talk about, we could literally make a series about this. I, I was- probably like, I'm thinking I'm like, I could keep going. Cause then it's like, then, then we could get into like the gen- the parents, my generation seeing this and being like, well, I sucked it up and dealt with it. So you do it. And then they're like, but, but I saw on, on TikTok that I don't have to do that. And I could do X, Y, and Z. And like the seeds, they don't they have access and my generation is like no we only know one way you know maybe that's a good maybe that's a good point to uh wrap up on do you have any like tips because I know people of all kinds listen to this I know you have minors that follow your TikTok and things like that like and maybe you can share this as a clip um but what would you say to like parents or caretakers or um caregivers of teens about how to kind of help them navigate that process and maybe it's like twofold like if if the caregiver sees that maybe their teen might need some mental health support but they don't know how to say like let's take you to therapy or maybe even from the teen side like they're like mom I need therapy but their mom is maybe more like the older generation that's like I just suck it up type thing like can you kind of speak to that how we can help them navigate first of all validate them don't question their feelings. Don't tell them about their feelings. Just say, okay, you're upset. It's okay. You're allowed to be upset. Sometimes that's all they need to hear is that, okay, I can feel this, right? That just validate them. Let them know that their feelings matter, that they're, that even though you think in your mind, this is not that big of a deal. Cause 
it's not because we're adults and we've already lived life and had bigger problems, right? So like, yes, do I think my high school drama is that big of a deal now considering what I've been through since then? No, but they don't have, they haven't been there yet. From their perspective, meet them there and think, okay, this is, if they're saying this is a big deal to them, it's a big deal to them. So just say, I understand. Maybe say, what do you need, right? It doesn't give them an excuse to, of course, be rude or um, aggressive towards you, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then you know, if they want to go to therapy, then say that you could work on this with your therapist, you know? And like, that's the best. Teens need that. They need an outlet, especially yeah. like an adult outlet that can kind of like be neutral and isn't mom, like, or dad that's going to be like, tell them that because they're not going to listen to their parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you? I did not. I did not watch you. No. My mom could tell me the same thing as the stranger would tell me. And I would listen to the stranger because it's just what you do. So I would say definitely just validate them. Let them have their space. Um, Don't police them. Don't let them have their privacy. They have to make mistakes. Obviously, with the exception we want to keep the kids safe like we want to make sure they're safe but like we can't let them think that like we're all in their business either they do need privacy like it breaks my heart when I see like parents taking like the door off the teen's room like why are you doing that to them like let them have their moment let them Mm -hmm. scream it out in their room right you know like it's not personal so yeah. I could probably keep going on and on and on about that because it's so specific. It would be so specific to the teen, but validate them. Yeah, validate them for sure. And then maybe ask them, like you said, like, how can I help? Or is there anything I'm doing that's contributing to this? Is there anything I can change? Right. Um, you know, do you, and then maybe when they get, you know, when they're taking them, do you want me to go with you to the first appointment? Do you want me to go in? Do you want me to sit in the lobby? Like, you know, do you want my support Absolutely. in this? Yeah. Do you want me to talk to you? Do you not want me to talk to your therapist? And I've been pretty, I'm pretty lucky. Some of my teens' parents are very much like, no, we want them to be honest with you. They need this because they don't, they don't know what to do either. Like they want right. them to have that outlet. So it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Christine, I'm so glad. Both of us were like, yay, because we've met each other on TikTok. We haven't had a chance to actually like talk to each other so I'm so glad you're obviously welcome back because we have plenty to talk about um so please come back and Kelsey Kelsey missed you today Kelsey we love you (laughs) Kelsey I really miss you Amanda signed on and I was like where's Kelsey (laughs) but but you deserve do you boo you're good yeah so we'll have we'll have Christina back when Kelsey is not you know just traveling and bopping around the world uh all the time but thank you for being here is there any like quote mantra parting words that you want to leave our community with before we wrap up here and then where can Um, they find you um, on social your website anything like that um yes one I it was a pleasure to be here with you um this was great we could probably keep going um and because this um, we're so we're clearly both so passionate about we want to talk but um my tiktok is at christina underscore lpc um my instagram is at christina underscore underscore lpc 108 i have to i don't post on instagram much i can't keep up both i could barely keep up my tiktok at this point yeah Um, my platform is a lot of humor i just do a lot of entertainment some education i'm really just normalizing like being in therapy and like therapists as humans because i'm a hot mess and i have a therapist so why not talk about that too 
Um, and I guess one parting word that I would like to tell people is be gentle with yourselves, like be kind to yourselves, take care of yourselves. And every feeling that you have is always valid and nobody can take that from you. You learn how to manage it and learn how to um, treat yourself with compassion. And I that felt like well. a little warm hug in my heart when you said that. So thank you. I think I needed to hear that. <laughs> oh. I preach it a lot. So it was good to hear. Like, I don't know. Thank you for the vibe. Yeah. Um, is If there's parents or teens listening to the episode that want are in New Jersey and want to seek you out, is there a website they can find you on? Um, you could probably find me on Psychology Today. I can safely say I'm not accepting new clients at this time. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I say that because you throw, I get very mushy and I want to take people on, especially a young person. Um, and I have no time, um, especially in the after school hours. So gotcha. I haven't been taking clients. I might be um, more so maybe in the summer, open up a little bit more to that because schedules can be more flexible. Um, but right now, no, I'm not taking, but I am on psychology today. Okay. Yeah, no worries. And I know that's, that's a lot of therapists right now because the need is so high. So I'm glad that so many humans get to have you supporting them. Thanks. Thanks again for being here. And uh, to everyone listening, make sure you turn on notifications and subscribe so you know when the next episode is coming out. Um, next time we are welcoming Dr. Amy Sapola. She's talking about pharmacy, like F-A-R-M, um, and the chef's garden that she's created. So we're really excited to talk about that. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.